You're listening to For the Republic, a love letter to Star Wars animation. Hello there. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of For the Republic, a love letter to Star Wars animation. And this is a special one because we can actually talk about Star Wars animation once more. This is our first episode back since the end of the SAG After Strike. So congratulations to SAG After on finally reaching a fair deal. Uh, it is so great that not only do they get what they've been fighting for and what they deserve, but uh selfishly we get to talk about the stuff we love again so it's gonna be fun we it's good news all be... around exactly uh don and andrew back once again uh and uh just gonna let you know what we're gonna be doing the next couple episodes so you might be noticing hey this isn't about ahsoka we can actually say the show we can actually say the name <laughs> of the show um no that's actually gonna be next episode we ran into some scheduling snafus guests had things come up. I got COVID for a second time. So it's not been uh, the best couple of weeks, but we will be back with that next week. That's our plan. Um, and then after that, we will be returning to our Clone Wars rewatch. So we will be jumping right back into season two with the Holocron heist arc, the debut introduction of Cad Bane. So that is going to be amazing to finally get to. Uh, I'm going to pretend I didn't watch the episodes four months ago, and now I'm going to have to watch them again. Um, <laughs> I mean, but, I don't do that either. I don't know what you're talking yeah, about, man. That's life. But this episode, it's going to be a little bit special. We're going to go back in time and talk about something that it isn't technically quote-unquote canon anymore, but who cares? It's still important and still very influential. Uh, recently, Not if you believe Mike Chen, to be If fair. you believe Mike Chen, it, it's it's sort of different. Uh, it's Bless sort of brotherhood canon. for canonizing so much of uh, the first season of what we're about to talk about. Exactly. Um, but we're going to be talking about, because it's recently been the 20-year anniversary of Gendy Tartakovsky's Clone Wars micro-series, which is something for a lot of prequel kids was very nostalgic for them, at least over here in the States. It aired on Cartoon Network in the lead-up to Revenge of the Sith. Uh, and it was our first real taste at Clone Wars content. We finally got to see a depiction of it, and some of it is a bit different than what we see in the Filoni series, the CGI series uh, that we're currently going through. But so much of it influenced what we see in this era going forward. We get official introductions to characters that would go on to have bigger roles in the, the wider Star Wars canon for years after this. And some that were just kind of one-hit wonders that you know never showed up again or only showed up for a little bit. And uh, we're here to finally talk about all of it uh, because this is something that I've always wanted to talk about. But we were like, I didn't know how to fit it in to our like <laughs> journey through Star Wars animation because it's it's so kind of like different. It's it, it's it's categorized yeah. as. Uh, Star Wars vintage on Disney Plus, which I, I actually kind of like their their Legends branding for the uh, for the old animated shows. Um, so we're going to be yeah, talking it's like a about fine wine; it ages really well. Exactly, and it's got that connection to the uh, 
the vintage collection, which is their figure line, which is uh, any 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 chance I can get to bring up the figures that I love. But we're gonna be doing that. It's got first, the same packaging, hasn't it? Like the same. It does. Uh, yeah, it's got the same logo and edge. everything. Yeah. Which is awesome. But before that, we're going to start off by doing another one of our, our segments we introduced during uh, our strike episodes, and that is the Jedi Archives. Impossible. Perhaps the archives are incomplete. There we go. So last week, or last episode, I should say, we had Jacob Bausch on. And this is a big one because, Don, I'm not even going to sugarcoat things. We got absolutely destroyed in the poll <laughs> with 87 percent of the vote the the little droid from the dark droids comic that said uh i am hungry i need the meat is our new <laughs> into the jedi archive so congrats you creepy little droid you completely kicked our ass there um so, but here's the he good got news the meat. you did get the meat but the good news is, is one of us is finally going to get an inductee this week because it's always been our guests, our lovely guests. Um, uh, and, but now it's time to finally do this. So if you missed our last couple episodes, first of all, go back and watch them. They were really fun. We did one on uh, Star Wars games. We did one on collections. And we did one on the overall state of Star Wars publishing and what we're going to be expecting going forward. We had some awesome guests on. And go check those episodes out. We were able to enjoy ourselves while not being able to talk about the film and TV worlds of Star Wars for a couple months. But now we're back. Um, and Don, why don't you start things off? Um, actually, first, uh, if you have not seen this segment before, basically it is our version of our podcast Hall of Fame. We nominate something Star Wars related every week usually, uh, and uh, we give it to a Twitter poll afterwards. So after this episode is up, uh, I will put out a poll on our official Twitter page at For the Repub Pod, and you guys can vote on what the newest inductee is going to be. So, Don, whenever you're ready, take us away. What are we nominating this week? Well, for my nomination for this week's edition of the Jedi Archives, I will be nominating the character... Captain Fordo, and this is going to be a bit of a theme for this episode. Uh, so I have here the Star Wars Black Series edition of Captain Fordo. Uh, very cool dude. It's so he's, he's he's one of the coolest clone troopers for me. Like honestly, like look, this dude is really awesome. Like I and I just love this figure. Like in terms of just like the way they just managed to like get the whole sort of animated look of him from this from this series, while also kind of proportioning him to look like a real like a live action character but um yeah Fordo kicks ass he is part of the reason I became such a fan of clone troopers and as, as we'll talk about later with like the whole segment with him and the arc troopers is utterly fantastic it's the, yeah. it's the first time you kind of get to see the clones like be real badasses and just like tear through waves of droids in just like a way that the regular clones don't always get to do and like I kind of feel like if we if we didn't have that segment with Fordo and the arc troopers we might not have been so ready to latch on to more clones with more definable identities like uh rex like cody like uh boost and uh you know cutler quain and all of the like various uh individual clones yeah so the you know this Fordo walked so rex and everyone else could run that's what I'll yeah say. yeah i i actually speaking of cody i forget that he's in this 
he's in the he like he yeah. makes one brief appearance in the in the uh 2003 Clone Wars, but those are troopers. So I think so. I I think yeah. so because he shows up during the trench scene, and then that's it. Um, but I, that was before Sith came out. So there there was yeah. a little thing that they threw in there which I like. But those are troopers in this show are so cool. They are so cool. Um, I didn't yeah. realize they had a Fordo Black series because I have the only one from that. Clone Wars line I have is the Mace Windu, which is a really cool one. I, I got that for Christmas last year. Uh, but, and we'll of course talk about that scene, which was, uh, there it is. We're of course going to be talking about that Mace scene, which was a, it was a contender for uh, my nomination. Also, I wanted to shout out, um, we'll talk about him later, but the, the Ithorian Jedi that Help Shock T like kind of save Chancellor Palpatine. I love that dude. I forget so his cool. name. That's why I love Athorians. Yeah, he's. I I watched that scene again last time. I'm like, dude, this guy's awesome. And then he he meets a, a warrior's death. Uh, I'm instead oh. going to nominate because I've just had it in mind. Uh, recently, we had a a beloved actor, especially for me, state that he really, really, really wants to be in a Star Wars project. Uh, and he wants that to be the next big franchise he's in. So I am nominating Kihi Kwan to uh, the Jedi art. Yes! Uh, I am not <laughs> with Loki Season 2 yet. I've only watched the first two episodes. But him as OB is a national treasure in that season. And I don't even need to talk about how good he is in Everything Everywhere All at Once. It's one of my favorite performances of the last decade, if I'm being completely honest with you. That movie is just perfect. Uh, and just his his story, yeah. he was in Temple of Doom, he was in Goonies, and then he stopped getting roles. He took, a, I believe, a 19-year break from acting and just kind of did behind-the-scenes stuff. And he gets cast for everything, everywhere, all at once. Didn't even have health insurance at that point. And he wins Best Supporting Actor. And it's just, it's so inspiring. Do yourself a favor if you have not. Go back and watch his acceptance speech when he wins that award. It's one of the most moving things, one of the most inspirational things you will ever see in your life. So go watch that. And yeah, of course. Uh, Dave, you're, you're, you, you got the power now. Uh, cast this man in literally everything. I don't care what it is. Any Mandoverse, uh, any of the new films, I don't care. Put him in Star Wars. I need that. So, those this are... This man of Star Wars role. This man of Star Wars. Uh, so, those are your nominations for the Jedi Archives this week. We've got Captain Fordo, and we've got Kihi Kwan. So, two uh, a bit different nominees, but one of them's going to win, I think. Who knows? They'll somehow both lose. Uh, so go ahead. Uh, <laughs> shortly after this episode's up, we will post that poll and you guys can vote. So now let's talk about Clone Wars 03. My first thing I want to say is this might make me a bit different than you. I don't know what your relation to this show is, Don, but I did not grow up watching this show. Uh, I remember seeing like tie-in books for it in the stores and i knew of its existence but i i never watched this growing up i i was watching cartoon network at the time 
I don't know why I never watched it, but I just never did. Uh, I actually watched the first season of the 2008 Clone Wars before I saw any of this. My first time watching this show was in the lead to The Force Awakens. Because I'm like, I'm finally just going to watch it all. I watched it in one sitting. At that point, it wasn't on any streaming service. So I just, it was on YouTube, thankfully. Uh, and I, I powered through it. And since then, I've rewatched it, I think, three times. I watched it when it uh, dropped on Disney Plus the first time. And then uh, our rewatch for this episode. So I don't have the super nostalgic connection to this series that a lot of people do that grew up with the, the prequels. Um, however, I can't deny just how influential it was. And obviously like I knew just because I was like that kid, I think I had like a, one of the encyclopedia books or like a sticker book or something. So like I knew who Asajj Ventress was uh, in 2005, 2006. Uh, and uh, so I was familiar with her when she was introduced in, um, the uh, uh, 08 Clone Wars. And obviously I know of how different Grievous is in this show compared to uh, what we see in all the other projects he's in. Uh, and I, I still think that's part of a reason why <laughs> I'm, I've am i had a bit of trouble like fully embracing Grievous over the years just because I know what he was in this. And it's just like nothing's ever going to top what he is in this series. But, like, I know, like, Jake, uh, friend of the show, former host, um, always a member of the For the Republic family, this is his favorite Star Wars of all time. So I know it means a lot to a lot of different people. And I just want to know, like, what was your connection to this growing up? Uh, were you watching it in the lead to Revenge of the Sith, or was this a, a later discovery like with me? Uh, I was very much like one of those who watched the the show when it came out. Uh, like for me, like I watched it pretty much like I caught it whenever it was on on like Cartoon Network, and it was like such a, it was this kind of thing where like it because we we forget now like those episodes are so fleeting. Like mm -hmm. watching them just like in snippets on Cartoon Network, it felt like such a it's like an adrenaline shot of Star Wars, those episodes. They, they come in, like, just, like, wham, with all this incredible, like, action and animation, and then they're gone. And you're like, no, no, just wait, guys, <laughs> hang on a minute. Yeah. I was really enjoying this. Like, and, but, yeah, I, I, I watched as many of them as I could, like, as when I could catch them, you know, when I was, like, when I was around, like, yeah, set, uh, 10 years old. And it was, like, the exact kind of stuff that 10-year-old me would just go crazy for in terms of, like, Star Wars content. Uh and i remember like getting it on v on vhs it got recorded up uh my mum taped it for me on vhs so i could like i could watch the first season back uh and then i remember watching the second series and it was really exciting because there was all that hype for episode three at the time and the fact that like there were they specifically teased that there were characters in this show that were going to show up in episode three it, it was a really exciting reason to watch like general grievous when he showed up the part of the excitement of his debut was like oh my god this guy's going to be in the movies like that's insane like and i remember like part of my hype for uh revenge of the sith was how are they going to put this character in the film and obviously it was a different interpretation very much like the way tartarovsky has uh envisioned grievous is very different from how george lucas did and both are valid interpretations in my opinion but yeah this version, this version definitely slaps. Like, yeah, you know, like we'll get into I, it. I know George that, like... gave like Gendy his like early 
ideas for what he wanted Grievous to be. Yeah. I think it's like, oh, this no-nonsense Jedi killer that can take down any Jedi and be a massive threat. And then that eventually developed into more of like a B-movie, bumbling, coughing villain that still has <laughs> that threatening aura to him. Um, and we, we this is our first glimpse that we get of him uh, adding trophies to his collection, which is just awesome. Um, the, can I also interject with like a, the, the most bizarre things? Because it has one of the most bizarre elements of Legends that... Uh, I think just shows how like weird the legends continuity could get at times, but in a like a great way. So like the first Jedi he kills, well no, the second Jedi he kills because the first one is the you know the Shaggy, uh, the Shaggy cameo. clone, yeah. May he rest in peace, poor fella. But uh, the second the second Jedi that he kills, the rather badass looking guy, uh, his name is Kikrook. And the funny thing about him is in Legends he survives that. Like even though Grievous like cuts him down, he he recovers from the wound. And he lives through Order 66 all the way up to the Legacy of the Jedi comics that John Ostrander did that are like decades in the future, like just way, way, way into the future where like all the characters have like died by that point. He's one of the only surviving characters alongside R2-D2. So it's just, yeah. that's it's such a crazy thing. That's why I've always been like, how canon was this even back then? Because like Ventress, she's like, very much implied to be dead after her duel yeah. on Yavin 4. But then she shows up in later stuff and then Clone Wars. Because there was a weird point where they were like, oh no, both of these are canon. And then when 2014 happened, they were like, okay, just the Filoni one is canon. But like, she clearly you can really is still alive tell in because that one. So much of the so much of the aesthetic uh, from 2008 Clone Wars, when it first started, really was lifting from, from uh, yeah. 2003 Clone Wars because like you had the idea of Obi-Wan and Anakin in that that kind of more stylized Clone Wars armor and also uh the ships and and the various other like various other elements that just kept kind of creeping through and they even retained voice actors as well so like obviously Anakin's yeah. voice actor is different here it's a uh, Matt Lucas I believe not the Matt Lucas mm -hmm. from we know over here uh yeah. Matt Lucas with a single T but um yeah. he, uh, he we have has more we've got James um, Arnold Taylor James Arnold Taylor, you got Tom Kane, you've got TC yeah. Carson, uh, Corey Burton is still Dooku. So you've got a lot of like the people that would eventually continue to voice the characters in the Clone Wars, voice them here. Matt Lucas definitely goes for like a more Hayden-esque version of for his Anakin, yeah. um, which I, I, I do kind of appreciate. The thing I like about this show is specifically for the first volume. The second one is more narrative and there's more talking, but the first volume, because they were so short, yeah. the the voice acting in a lot of these shorts is few and far between. There are certain ones where there's just no dialogue at all, and I kind of prefer it it's that all, way. So all must, no fuss. My issue, well, not issue, but I, I'm just watching it back. The voices are a bit more muted, but I'm okay with that because they put so much emphasis on the action and I think we noticed that in our early Clone Wars episode discussions that like certain characters, their vocal, like their cadence and the way that the voice actors performed them was a bit different than we see in later ones. Like James Arnold Taylor, like his Obi-Wan just sound, kind of sounds a bit deeper, a bit more like subdued in the early season one episodes. And I think that's just because they were, that's how they voiced him in this series. And they were trying to find a balance. Okay, well, how do I want to bring him to life now? Exactly. And eventually... James Arnold Taylor had more life, more like, 
more like Ewan in his cadence than he does in this one where it's more deep. It's like Anakin. And it's just like, I like it though. And um, we will, I, we are definitely going to talk about certain things that influenced what the, the full Clone Wars show did. Um, and then also just some compare and contrast to how it handled certain aspects of uh, handling the Clone Wars and how it told the story because we do in these episodes get like a full telling of the war, which is a bit snappy because we get it in two hours compared to the seven seasons that we had in the Filoni show. Um, but I really love we're, we're, we're kind of jumping all over the place here, but that's okay because uh, that's like a good way of discussing the show. Uh, but I love how this show handles the transition and not in yeah. the clone, but like the, tr like of going from the attack of the clones era to the revenge of the Sith era, because it's not an issue with the Filoni show, but it feels kind of like we're immediately at the beginning in the era of uh, the clone wars that the Tartakovsky show spends the first volume and a half building up to. Yeah. Anakin's already a knight. He has that relationship with Obi-Wan. He's not really in the, the moody phase anymore. Whereas this show takes about an hour to get to that transition. And we see the full transition between him as a Padawan to him reaching knighthood. Which, I, I, it's not an issue for me that they never explored that in the Filoni show. Because I was just always kind of like, alright. And then in the new canon, they, they kind of explain the way because they rush Anakin's promotion tonight in the brotherhood novel because yeah. they were so short on generals during well. the clone wars yeah they they he doesn't yeah. get, he eventually gets his trials um in a way with the weird spiritual stuff which i won't get into because i have my thoughts on that <laughs> um but <laughs> you you don't like you see them like oh they're still kind of hesitant because it's not the official trials but then we get to see the knighting ceremony i believe for the first time on screen which it's still so cool. works yeah. so well. And that's one of the things that they did carry over into the new canon because we see yeah. that with Kanan, we see that with Cal, we've seen it uh, Sarah, a bunch yeah. of different times now. And Sarah, yeah, so it's, I, I love that. But I love the, my one critique, I guess, is, but like, even during that knighthood scene, like they do that great transition of, they cut to Anakin, like, he gets knighted, and then they cut to some random Separatist general, like, how many Jedi are there? Hundreds? Thousands? <laughs> two. And then here comes Anakin Obi-Wan out of the shadow. Obi-Wan's got his his cut hair. Anakin's got the uh, the longer hair. Now, I, I will say, animation complaint, the hair's a bit too long in this show. Uh, that, that's all I'm gonna say. They basically um, swapped hair. That's what's hilarious yeah. to me. Like, when, we, when you watch season two, they basically mm -hmm. just, like, swap hair. And it's weird because, like, the Black Series version of Clone Wars Obi Wan, uh, the the one that appears in season one, has the short hair from Episode Three because they basically just worked from that model. But I mm -hmm. have to agree with you, like about like a lot of a lot of the stuff about the show is that it just does it's it's more muted, yeah. and I think overall I would say season one is stronger because I think season two in trying to go more narrative focus, the pacing of it uh, is slows yeah. a bit more compared mm -hmm. to like season one, and I think overall Clone Wars was the Filoni Clone Wars is overall a bit better at like the uh, the full the more narratively driven stories, whereas I think this just absolutely yeah. like season one for me is just no notes perfect. I just don't yeah. really have any complaints in terms, with it, in terms of, of just visual like, storytelling. 
There's we haven't had yeah. anything like it before or since. It's still yeah. just like wow. And certain things I will take. And it does its humor so home. well too. Yeah, exactly. Because like the humor in particular is like a thing that I I love because like it doesn't just have like little bits of like little jokes and like one liners and stuff. Almost just kind of like it's kind of an Evil Dead Two effect where like it, it, part of the humor comes from the execution of certain scenes. Like for instance, like the Mace Windu scene where you know he fights off all those super battle droids because that you know that is one of the best like oh. <laughs> stretches of star wars star wars animation ever <laughs> like just but it's like it's the kind of thing where it's like it's dead serious the scene is serious very like you know mace is fighting to survive but it's kind of funny it's almost slapstick in a way watching him just like beat these droids like with his fists like really quickly and just like have seeing him get buffeted around by like the shock waves from that uh that that droid arm uh it's it's both funny and just like really awesome to watch, uh, and I just yeah, you know, I mean, it just made Mace Windu even more yeah. of an awesome dude. Like watching him just like kick the shit out of battle droids, and little like snippet for Ahsoka. I'm actually kind of glad that they carried that over with Ezra a little bit because Ezra is yeah. from that lineage. His 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 master was Depa Balaba. Her master was Mace Windu. So that's just kind of a neat little yeah. uh, bit of continuity between that, and it's that still Master Apprentice lineage. Far and away the best depiction of Shatter Points we've had ever. It's so oh. cool. Um, yeah. Uh, but it, like, like, the bit like, where he just, just like flexes a finger and the droid yeah, the little the screws droid pop just, off the droid. Uh, yeah. How about that theory? There were screws in 2003 Clone Wars. What are you going to say about yeah, that? Come on. Bricks, screws. They were in <laughs> trenches, man. This is World War One over here. Um, you, you mentioned like like the humor. Like, there's even back then, James Arnold Taylor was still like on top of it with his Obi Wan sass when they're going through the sewers. Like, that's a wonderful smell you've discovered here, Anakin. Like, this yeah, little great call, like great that. call ahead to Han in a new home. Yeah, and I love God, I love yeah. his line when he's like standing over Stan Sand Hill when when he's when they've won and he goes, "Now where were we? Ah, yes, I believe you were surrendering." <laughs> it's just so cool. God, so good. Uh, but yeah, I, again, there's there's so much here. The one thing that both this and the Filoni Clone Wars, I think, like in terms of like transitioning through the war, they both kind of not falter, but I wish they had more. Is in both shows, they just kind of like it's the Phase One clones, and then the Phase Two clones just kind of appear. There's like no in both yeah. of them. It's just one episode up. Oh, now now they now they have the Phase Two armor. They never like. Could explain that uh which i, I wish yeah. they did because um that's just the one thing but like you can tell like that's kind of when you can tell like okay we're moving a bit further in the timeline uh but i love how this one yeah. you get to see like anakin get his scar you get to see uh and just little things like uh padme getting his padawan braid and putting it next to the japor snippet necklace I love that, Perfect. and Perfect. that that's Little that's had canon yeah. for me that that happened again. Uh, in, in, in I the mean, real for me, most pretty much all of season one is canon for me, mainly, mm -hmm. and and obviously Brotherhood kind of supports that because it literally refers to most of the events of season one, like uh, Mace Windu fighting the droids on Dantooine, the Munalist conflict, and also uh, Anakin fighting Ventress. That that's mentioned because he he recognizes the ship that she comes in on, and it's the same ship from. 2003 Clone Wars. So oh. for me, it's like that. See, I canon, thought they, I thought was the one the thing that episode. got. I thought that was the one thing that got explained away uh, was Ventress's introduction. But no, that's cool. 
That's really cool. Yeah. yeah, the first episode of Anakin getting knighted is definitely canon. Um, and then certain things after that, it, it's a bit tricky just because of what has been established, like with Grievous and stuff. Uh, but it's definitely still there, and I, I love the majority of that Battle of Coruscant scene. It's so cool. Oh, it's so and that's cool. the like one that thing. shot of Yoda like oh. just wheeling around oh. and all the like oh, ships. And then it's all so the ships. cool. It's one of my I always forget it happens, but it's one of my favorite shots of all time. Like he's just meditating. And I love his goofy. I love his goofy pose afterwards. Yeah. When like Mace Windu comes in and says, and he says the city is under attack, and Yoda goes, Defend the city we must. <laughs> God, what a Yoda is awesome in the show. Also, shout out in the oh. Ilum episode. Shout out the black robe that Yoda's got. Like that's just a a yeah, sweet, sweet look that I wish we got again. Uh, Yoda, but Yoda when I'm that watch- man. when I'm watching this show, I always forget like how many like of the iconic episodes or moments are in the first volume. Because some of them got to be in volume two, right? And then it's just like no, it's like the Ilum one is here. Uh, the Dantooine episode, all the Kit Fisto stuff, it's all really in this first volume. And it's so cool. Um, I guess we can just go through some of our favorites. Uh, Dirge, first of all. like Dirge. I, I really wanted to talk uh-huh. about Dirge. Oh, yeah. Dirge is so that cool. Whole, like, first of all, honestly... the whole battle on Mune is awesome. Yeah. But then Dirge showing up. Uh, and I, you know what? I was thinking about this. The other day, because I was like, you know what? I'm like, I gotta think of future archive nominations. I'm like, you know what? Maybe I'll go with the one immune from Attack of the Clones, where it's just like the worst CGI in the movie by far. The, the banking clan is full support of you, Count. And then he shows up You're in this. Fine, Lord Tracy. Yeah, yeah. He, he shows up in this. I don't know why Dooku sent you here if all you're going to do is stand around. And then he shows up. And they're just like, all of us, like, shut up. Such a cool design. Finally showed back up uh, in canon during uh, War of the Bounty Hunters a couple of years ago. But, like, his fight with Kenobi, and it doesn't feel repetitive because there's, like, two or three in a row where it's like he fights Dirge, thinks he beats him, then he shows back up again, then he beats him, then he shows back up again, and he, like, absorbs him. And then Obi-Wan just pops up and, like, the man literally explodes. Uh, but it's such a cool... Yeah scene and introduction to this character that was originally Almost going to be everyone is oh, rocking is. this incredible look like, oh yeah i can't even stress i cannot even stress uh how like to 10 year old me uh watching this like back in like 2000 and uh, no nine year old me sorry watching this back in 2003 just how awesome this was like obi-wan clad in clone armor like just like only in Star Wars could you get a sequence where droids and clone troopers are like jousting on high speed speeder bikes. Like it's just it's an mm-hmm. such an insane but kind of beautiful visual. Like, and I love how the animation mm-hmm. really complements it as well because of how quick everything is. Like the speed of it all is just like so exciting. And as you said, when he shows uh, up again in the armor for the first time, so cool. I also just love how yeah. extra all the Jedi are in this show. Like, there's that moment where he's yes. just riding up the speeder bike, then he jumps in the air like ten feet and does yeah. like, a superhero landing, and it's just like that's so after all the he's Jedi done the Akira like. slide as well. Yep, all the Jedi are like this in that show, and I I love it so much. Yeah. Uh, but like, yeah, like the, the, the way same... they just like rapidly deflect all the blaster bolts, like you know, like Baron yep. Sophie when she's like, like 
pulling the the thing down from the ceiling and like she's just so rapidly deflecting blaster bolts this show absolutely lives up to the kind of idea of like oh this was the this was an era where the jedi was still very much at their best in terms of fighting prowess uh mm. and it's just really cool to see that and we like you said there's so extra you get stuff like obi-wan deflecting blaster bolts and fire and you get like luminara and barisofi like doing this like perfectly uh in sync movements which is just so cool and obviously yoda and mace too mm-hmm. like if anything they, they, they kind of show how much of a learner anakin still is because he's awesome in this but like his skills aren't quite on par with them until he becomes a knight which is very interesting overall yep definitely and then we in the same arc we get introduced to uh no pun intended the arc troopers and that introduction is so cool uh i just i guess we we talked about them earlier but it's just such a great introduction i i do like the felonia depiction of clones more just because we get to get them more as individual characters and here there's still more faceless soldiers but like in terms of just awesome looking animation and cool like action scenes it's everywhere in the show and and that's why i kind of hope that we do get a full-on like 2d animated series again uh because we've had like forces of destiny and stuff like that which i don't really count but like (laughs) I, i i want a full like not necessarily with this animation style, unless you're going to have Gendy come back for it, which by all means do it because this is just Samurai Jack in Star Wars and it works it. so well. Uh, but I, I I would just love to see because I, I, I like the Clone Wars art style as much as the next guy, but I love different animation styles and different animation mediums. And that's why I love Visions so much. So to if we were to get a full on like 2D animated series again, I would eat that shit up so much. Um, Same. Another minor little tidbit that I just wanted to talk about was the show's use of pre-existing Star Wars music and its own original stuff. Because the first episode, it's all of the John Williams music. And then after that, it's like all original stuff. And we'll occasionally get like like cues from, from the prequel scores and all that stuff. But... I, I always remembered it being like a mixture, but then it's like mainly the first episode, you get a lot of the Attack of the Clones soundtrack. And then after that, it's all the original stuff, which I, I really like. And the, the show does such a great job at introducing it itself, uh, reintroducing to these characters. Uh, you kind of really start off with like a very prequel-esque scene with, uh, Anakin and Palpatine, and I think Yoda's there, and Obi Wan in the uh, Chancellor's office, where yeah. Palpatine just kind of shoehorns Anakin into the mission, even though they're protesting. And then we get a scene yeah. straight out of Attack of the Clones with all the the clones boarding onto the Star Destroyers. And it's just I so love cool. the bit where Obi Wan and Yoda just like sit down afterwards and look at each other after Palpatine just kind of like overrides them both and just goes, "Oh yes, Anakin." Mm-hmm. Uh, Sky, young Skywalker shall be uh, shall be in charge of our of our aerial forces. They both just like sit down. And you can tell they're just thinking. This it's like, bitch. Then it's been decided, and then they just both look at each other. And, but I love but like, like, yeah, this, and, this little bitch, man. Yeah, and then it's like an hour of nonstop action after that, and we we get some occasional dialogue. But it, it's it's just, I love the way that they structure the beginning and seamlessly transition from episode to episode, which is why I'm so glad 
that when they uploaded these on streaming, they did it in like the, the compilation format that they released it on like VHS and DVD because I would have lost my damn mind if I had to go through like each up, ep- like click on each like two minute episode on Disney Plus and be like, no. Nope. Uh, I would have lost my mind too, like because it's like, yeah. like I said, just the 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 snippets going through the snippets and then just like it ending mm-hmm. was almost torturous in a way. But yeah. it, it did it did its job of like keeping you hanging on for every uh, scrap of footage. Like, it kind of reminds me of what um, Patrick Willem said when he talked about like the Star. We did his video about the Star Wars trailers and how good a job they did uh, for the sequels of like reinforcing the idea that star wars footage is like valuable and precious and that we need to savor every minute of it that's very mm-hmm. much the case with clone wars with this clone Wars yeah. show it literally every the fact that it's so short literally just encourages you to just savor all of it and that's and that's why i think so much of it is like still burned into my brain amidst all of the other like stuff yep. we've got in the last 20 years it's like we're gonna cram as much as we can into these three to five minute segments and you're gonna eat up every single moment of it and then the second season is <laughs> more the second season i think is more of like a pilot it's sort of way to what we eventually get with the clone wars show is yeah. more like we said the narrative focus um which it, it, it's it's still good, but I, I think it is definitely weaker than the first volume, just looking back on it. And that might just be because I, I, I just have issues with one of the main arcs, but that's just me. Um, love some of the stuff in it, but some of the stuff uh, drags it down and the pacing's a bit bad. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I guess we can talk, like, uh, moving, we, we alluded to her, but another introduction character-wise is Ventress. Because... Yeah. I love everything about the way that this her episode starts. Dooku just shows up. There's like this gladiatorial arena. She comes out of nowhere as like an assassin. Like, oh, you're like he just sneaks up on him. Like, is able to kill like the host without Dooku even noticing. Comes up behind him. She comes out with the blue and the green sabers. Just starts taking out all the warriors with like the force, and then eventually whips the sabers out, and then. Dooku takes her out because she's like, I am Sith. And she's like, Are... and he like questions her and then boom, force lightning. And then they have the duel in his like lair or I don't even know what to call it. Um, but yeah, it's, so it's cool. not exactly the place, uh, the, uh, um, his Sereno. place in Sereno, but maybe, yeah. maybe it is an apartment in Sereno or something. But, um, yeah, that whole introduction of Ventress is great. It definitely cements her as like, there's a reason she can't she she got brought into the 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 clone war series when other characters just couldn't really make the jump like dirge ventress is just a really interesting character and she has such presence uh granted you know as much as i love dooku she is in a sense a lot more visually interesting and just in terms of her design like with the shaved Mm -hmm. head and like the the dual sabers uh in terms of like just Mm -hmm. she she looks really cool especially in this show though the whited out eyes too yeah, yeah yeah exactly like i almost i'm i wonder if they ever considered like giving her yellow eyes like full yellow eyes just to kind of reinforce her like her desire to be full sith but uh mm-hmm. the white eyes are really good and this is a and this is a different actress obviously because again they 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 got yeah new, it's uh, it's gray griffin and here great delisle vo- i think it is yeah and she voices padme as well which padme is really funny too, that yeah. you've got You've got her both like having to voice scenes where she's kissing Anakin, but also scenes where she wants to kill him. So kill yeah, him. yeah which is exactly. Kind of how most people in the Star Wars universe feel about Anakin Skywalker. Let's be fair. 
but um yeah I, I really enjoyed her introduction like it was such a cool thing the designs of all the various creatures it's the most kind of like samurai jack uh the show mm -hmm. kind of gets at that point uh and you just have this great display of the force and also like really you said it reinforces how uh, the one level in Fallen Order where you're kind of in that gladiatorial yes. arena, which I, I would not be shocked at all if they took from this show. Just no Black time. Thunder, then, though. Like, no I, Black Thunder. I would have appreciated it. Yeah. But you definitely, like, her, appreciate her, some who. her arc throughout this is, you know, her desire to be a full Sith. She even states it to Anakin during her duel on Yavin 4, and we, we don't fully get that, but we kind of see that again in the Filoni show of her just going through various identity crises. We first see her as Dooku's loyal apprentice, and then she gets kicked to the curb. She, okay, so now she's a night sister, then she's a bounty hunter, and then she eventually, in the Dark Disciple book, returns to the light side, which is, and then meets her fate. So it's just such a great introduction um, to the character. And I, this is the one thing I wish stayed in the Filoni show is they just straight up took the scene, put it back in there because we don't yeah, really get do an introduction. Yeah, we don't really get an introduction to her character in canon until Brotherhood. Like that's like our like I guess new canonical introduction to Asajj Ventress uh, exactly. because she just kind of shows up in the 2008 movie. Uh, which we've and by the time we even like get to it, giving her an in an in show backstory mm -hmm. in the Clone Wars, that's like that's season three when she's already kind of left Dooku, and that's part yep. of her rejoining and the I, Sisters. I think that was part effective. of. I think that was part of like their like not wanting to override anything, not wanting to like kind of let these shows live like in synergy with each other because they were probably like, oh that's Ventress, she's from that other show that you probably already watched, yeah. so we're not going to introduce her again. Because so, the whole idea when they first did the show clearly was that oh this well the the two D Clone Wars is absolutely canon. We're just gonna like we're just gonna act like most people who are watching this show have seen it, uh, and we're gonna like literally have the both seasons of of two D Clone Wars bookend this show. But then obviously the show got more and more successful as it went on, and that kind of it kind of became clear that they were able to the creators really wanted to stretch uh and add different things and all these new ideas started coming in and like george became like had a lot more ideas to offer than they, they were probably expecting even like you know mm -hmm. there's, there's stuff like the mortis arc and you know bringing darth maul back and uh, all of that kind of stuff and then eventually yeah. it kind of got to the point where they, they did kind of need to sort of phase out um some of the legend stuff like you, you had little nods to it because like you said in the in the early seasons it's a, there's a lot more effort to try and adhere to like legends canon for the most part but then you see in the later seasons there are and then it kind of goes off into its own thing and, yeah like you even have like scenes where like they even have like obi-wan like kind of refer to the fact that like darth maul had a different home planet in legends and they say yes but uh, this is a different this is a different mm -hmm. continuity essentially the first real instance we see of that is the mandalore arc in season two where george yeah. directly con contradicts a lot of the mandalorian lore that had been established in legends prior um and we, we see it uh, in various instances with this show as well. But I just, I love her introduction. Uh, and then during that dogfight with Anakin in space, first of all, the ship is so cool. I have a microfighter of it. I believe it's still her same ship in canon. I could be wrong. Um, I don't remember off the top of my head. Uh, well, however, again, according to Brotherhood, it is because like yeah. Anakin recognizes the ship, so that's that's at least something. I believe Mike Chen has done like a Twitter thread of like all the stuff that he included that 
that recanonizes Clone Wars stuff. So definitely go and check out his Twitter for any any listening if you want to like see the full list of stuff he yeah. recanonized. And, and the and Mace Windu scene is a good book. It's a good book. And the Mace Windu scene was not only mentioned in that book, but also in the Obi Wan comic from last year. Uh, they yeah. brought. Um, but one thing I want to bring up about Anakin's starfighter he has during this probably wasn't intentional, but it definitely looks like Ahsoka's color scheme, which I think is like. If you want to be like, oh, well, they knew that they were going to make the show. Well, Plo Koon has the design. Like, that's what's so funny. Plo mm-hmm. Koon has that exact design with all the white stripes and stuff. So it just kind mm-hmm. of feels like they, I feel like it, they would, they wanted more recognizable colors because that's when I think they started more color coding the the characters with their own starfighters and such. And they thought, well, mm-hmm. we like this design, so let's give it to Plo Koon because that guy, we, we are really giving Plo Koon the push for how cool it can be because Dave really likes mm-hmm. him. And, for good reason. Speaking of um, Plo Koon, I don't believe he's in this series. He's not. I, he's not in this series at all. Like, there's mm-hmm. a bunch of other Jedi who have been like, Kit Fisto appears, we got Ayla Sakura, uh, Shakti, Kiari Mundi, but, like, no Plo Koon. It's really interesting. Shakti, like, even Oppo, by the way. Even Oppo Rancisis. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And he's so, the way they animate him is perfect in this series. Yeah. Um, I love his voice. Yeah, it's so... We can't deny our yeah, often disobeyed you. And I love yeah, the he, little look on his face after Yoda, like, kind of well actually him and, and says, you know, did you not disobey me from time to time in your youth, Master Ensis? The fact that that's, like, because we know now that he's, like, ancient. And yeah, the he's fact that he's also, Yeah. Uh, but he's the one they, Jedi Council member that cameoed in uh, Jedi Survivor. Like there is a voice log of him talking about the Nile in Jedi Survivor, and that is crazy that yeah. that's even like a thing. But I, I just love the way, like speaking of the Starfighters, the way that they're animated, the like the bright colors of like Mace yeah. Windu's Starfighter in the Coruscant scene. And I always forget how to pronounce this fucker's name. This guy, what's his? How do I pronounce his name again? Sassy Tin. I think that's I think his so. name. Sassy Tin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have that. Bring, I have also that legend. Yeah, that Clone Wars I was going to say awesome because helmet. that's why I wanted to bring it up is because I have one of these with the helmet, which is so cool, so and I cool. wish they wish it was in the series. And I just remember like because I I knew who he was, but I remember seeing this figure. I'm like, why does he have this helmet? I really want this figure. And this was before I had seen this show, so I was like, all right, I got to get this. Uh, and there's one other one I have that we will. We will get to when we get there. Um, but I just love like Sassy Tin. He's got the the bright green starfighter, and Mace Windu has the bright like purple. So cool, and I love that we get to see different variations of the uh, Jedi interceptors that we like. Kind of, sort of get to yeah. see in the Clone Wars, but not fully. Like we, we I, I love that here, and that again, the whole battle over Coruscant, perfect. But I want to get to one of my other favorites that we brought up is. Mace Windu on Dantooine. It's so cool. It's so, so freaking cool. cool. Just oh. everything about it. You start with the little kid and he sees the the battle in the distance. And and I don't even remember how Mace like loses his lightsaber, but he gets it's surrounded the, by the all light, the B2s. It's the shockwave from the ship. It literally from just like ship. knocks the saber out from his hand. And it's really well done. Like You literally see it. They make sure to show the shadow of it flying away. But it's such a good sequence. Like... As I said, the action is just fantastic. Mm. And there's like no music at all for like just the nope. whole thing. So the the punching almost kind of becomes like a symphony of like you of get like the cue sound. from like the droid invasion from Phantom Menace at one point, but like 
that's really all you get for a long time. And then you just see him staring yeah. down. Like you, you just know he's like not even phased at all. And he's like, boom, I'm just going to take them all out with the force by punching the crap out of them using the shatter points. It is yeah, even cocks an eyebrow like James Bond. Yeah. He's like, Ooh. it is one of the best scenes. <laughs> Bit yeah. of a challenge In, for me. Yeah. Can't canon or not. It's so, so cool. And it's, just, it's so cool. There's, there's a reason why this one is like, they've like, made it a priority to recanonize this specific scene because it's just when you think of clone like this show i think of just in my mind i think of shirtless kit festo on Moncala. i think of the venturous stuff i think of the spanish anakin spirit journey for better or for worse and i think of this scene so yeah there's that and i also think of um Yoda and Padme on ill. I just love that, man. It's so cool. Uh, and so I cool, yeah. getting to like you start off and you think it's going to be a Barris and Luminara uh mission, and then they get trapped. So then Yoda goes out of the way. Captain Typho is just all the sass, and then Yoda uses the mind trick on him. Yeah, and uh, it doesn't even does Yoda's dialect yeah. as well. And I love Padme's little like her, her little look that she does where she seems surprised at first and then she looks over yeah. at Yoda like, you mischievous scamp, you yeah. like and you know, you get, like you surf in the mind of my protector. Then you get uh 3PO slapstick in there as well and Yeah. Oh 3PO, could you get my coat? And he's like, Oh yes, of course. I love that when they start firing, he still just walks towards the coat and grabs it because he has to just like he has to just uh, serve Padme the best he can. It's like even while mm-hmm. P- 3PO is like so getting scared the whole time and constantly being put into peril, he is like brave in his own way, and that's just a mm-hmm. nice little, a neat little detail. This show also gives us the best 3PO scene of all time, which is yeah, oh, you didn't recognize <laughs> me because of my disguise. And then like the fucking stripper music plays yeah. and he puts off the gold plating. And then you get Anakin like doing a Vader line. Impressive. Yeah. Most impressive. Yes, I rather fancy it myself. <laughs> Again. And that, that's another love, thing. because in... love Anthony Daniels coming back as yeah. well. Like, yeah. like he is, I love his commitment to 3PO that he has just continued to voice he's this like, character. No, like, no one else is voicing this character. It would be weird if anyone else mm-hmm. did the voice at this point. Like just seeing like you expect Anthony Daniels with 3PO. Like I've not heard anyone do a close enough approximation of his voice yet. So it's just such a lovely it's a lovely treat to hear him every time he shows up in like uh, shows, including one we might be discussing very soon. Uh, yes. I forgot about mm-hmm. that. Yeah, he is there. <laughs> uh but yeah, it's it's perfect. I love that scene so much. Uh and that's another thing where you don't see like he starts off the CGI show with the gold plating. So this one we yeah. see the first one he's still the Ilum scene he still kind of has the rusted plate uh and then we see it like all super shiny and they really go all out with the animation for that one. But I just it it gives such like oh you probably don't recognize me because of the red arm energy of uh oh I you don't recognize me because of my disguise. It's just him in a hood. It's perfect. Like even Anakin's just like, oh no, like because three PO is like so. Good. You have Padme being all stealth mode with the robe, and then like three PO is just all here, like yelling, "Miss Padme, Miss Padme!" Like it's mm-hmm. literally gonna give the game away of like where where she's going. Yeah, but like yeah, and then it when when the droids attack Coruscant, he just pops his head out of the 
<laughs> the building, like, oh, I am C3PO. You get down here right now. It's perfect. Yeah. Oh, man. There's some good Speaking 3PO games on here, too. Speaking of Coruscant, I've got to also mention, because like also Mace Windu and Fordo both get these really amazing moments during it. Like, you have that amazing oh. moment there. I, I, I obviously I don't like Fordo's Phase Two armor as much as his Phase One. It just looks like you know, come on, this is just this is just so awesome. And like the other one looks a little too reduced compared to it. There's like no no shoulder pad, no karma. There's just like there's mostly just the pistol and stuff. But he's still a badass in that scene. Yeah. Like just like knocking the droids down and literally holding the line until more clones come in. Like literally like mm -hmm. holstering a massive blaster rifle in one arm. It's just it's it's very awesome. And, and then Mace reprogramming the vulture droid and piling yeah. it is one of the coolest things ever. And then there's even yeah. that one moment like, oh what is that? And then he comes in, it's like oh General Windu and it's just him yeah. just casually on the vulture droid. Wreck the clones would be so used to Jedi just like pulling shit like mm -hmm. that all the time. Like, you know, like they just see a Jedi doing something ridiculous. They're like, mm -hmm. oh, hey, General. Yeah. Hi. There's yeah, even that one moment. It's like, oh, do. we got this area. The Jedi got the other one. And then you cut to Yoda and Mace just wrecking shop. Yoda on the horse, which is yeah. one of the. This is a figure I need to get uh, because uh, one of the figures in this line that I'm going to show off is Yoda on the Kaibuck. And I need it. So badly. It's a Kaibuck, uh, of course. Uh -huh. uh, Kenobi, the Kaibuck clan. Hashtag canon. Like, that's one of the new things. Um, going backwards, though, um, I alluded to it. I got to talk about the Kit Fisto scene. This is one of the ones where we, we did kind of get this influence stuff that we did see later on with the Mancala arc in the Clone Wars. Yeah, well, we've got to do an underwater story. Got We got to do an underwater story, which is kind We, yep, and we need, we need. This is my call. We need more underwater planets in Star Wars, man, because these scenes are so cool. Like, say what you will about enough desert planets. Come on, let's have the underwater planets. Let's get like, let's get some hydration in here, folks. It's important. Say what you will about the water war arc with Rift Tamson and Prince Lichar and all that. All that stuff that we'll get to uh, eventually. But there was just something about the animation in that one. And just how different it looked from everything else. And yeah. which is because I think it, it bums me out so much that I think there were two, two different planets in the sequel trilogy were originally pitched to be underwater planets and then got changed. Because uh. I think Jakku originally was supposed to be an underwater planet, and then it got changed to a desert planet. And there was another one. I think one of the episode nine planets was supposed to be underwater as well. I could be making that up, but I need it at some point. Man, it's so cool. It's such a cool design, and I I really need uh, to see that in live action someday because that would look yeah. so cool, man. It would look so I cool. Mean, the but this stuff got is. The closest we've got is Kef Beer and uh, yeah. Obi-Wan infiltrating Fortress Inquisitorius in, in the Obi-Wan show. But, like, mm -hmm. I agree with you. That scene is just is really cool. Like, I love the... Uh, my favorite detail is, like, the way the lightsaber kind of crackles underwater. The way yep. it just kind of is, is animated differently, drawn differently. Mm -hmm. It's very... It's just a really cool little That's bit of, like, That's such a detail. cool shot of him just igniting the saber underwater. And, again, that just the extraness of him just taking the robe off, jumping underwater, and then, boom, igniting the saber. And we even and get like the, the end, aquatic they, B2s like in the show too, which yeah, we got yeah. in the Clone Wars as well. 
Which yeah, and I love those like scuba clones. Those guys look cool. Mm -hmm. Like, like I'm surprised they didn't sell those as like bath toys for, for little kids because that would have been awesome. <laughs> yeah, you know, like time with the clone troopers. That okay. This was Lucasfilm in 2003. They 100% would have done that, and I don't know why they didn't do that. Um, because they were marketing anything at that point. Exactly. Yeah, and I love at the end though when they like they knock down the massive like cannon thing that's just shooting the ridiculous laser beam that like he does the classic Kit Bisto grit. Like it's just oh, you know it's, it's just the perfect way to cap off the whole segment for sure. I should probably also mention like because we only talked briefly about Dirge as well, but like mm -hmm. I love the uh, I, like you said he's. I think the most th thing I appreciate the most about him is that he's unstoppable, but he's also not invincible. Like, he's not, like, this overpowered Star Wars character. Like, a lot of his intimidation comes from the fact that he won't die. Because, like, the minute he goes face-to-face -face with Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan pretty much beats him straight away. And it's literally the fact that he that he cannot be killed by the simple lightsaber thing that gives him this persistence. Like, that shot of Obi-Wan just, like, spearing him and then him just laughing... <laughs> Mm -hmm. is is very intimidating and you're like you're like what the hell yeah. and then just the obi-wan like going through all of his like different weapons and stuff and, and as i mentioned as well there's the thing about the execution being really funny like he it should like it should be a scary moment when he bursts through the the glass window uh to attack obi-wan and the clones and then you get this like bit moment of slapstick where the clone is just, just like spray him with laser fire and he's like, <laughs> like that. and then the uh the jetpack like flies off in one end and he just like collapses and it's just this over-the-top thing of the clones just carrying on shooting him until one like shoots a rocket it's just it's it's crazy it's like it's that kind of thing it's like it's cool and funny at the same time yeah no definitely and there's definitely moments later on uh with grievous that are legit terrifying and it's like oh god almost the closest we had gotten that whole to bit. horror in star wars uh yeah. and just the way they build up to him We've really only had that one time with Grievous since then, and that's been the Lair of Grievous episode that we talked about where they made him True. a slasher monster. But it's he's just full-on horror in this and that. But yeah, Dirge, and just the way that they kind of reveal it, because like we think he's beaten, he's literally dismembered, and then there's just the shot of him just coming back together again. And you're like, what the heck is this? I can only, and yeah. If I had to guess, that was probably the end of one of the episodes like when it was, was first yeah. airing, so the kids were probably like, "What the hell?" And then they got to wait like another week or however long me. they were back then. Yeah, <laughs> like what just happened? This guy died, and now he's back. Like what? How uh, is he still alive? It's crazy. And then they they brought another one of him, his species. He's a, I believe the he's Jedi. a villain survivor. The Jedi. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, I remember his name annoyingly, but yeah, he's, he's an interesting played person. game yet. Um, so I'm sure that's going to be an annoying ass boss fight when I finally get a PS5. I'm uh, saying nothing about him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, but um, he's he's uh, his design is really cool, and uh, like you said, like that whole thing of like him being unkillable. There's the whole there's the whole Akira style segment of him like becoming like this massive creature is that's mm -hmm. just adds a new level of like almost horror to the proceedings like even the the, the soundtrack um i should also mention like the the composer for this like, the composer i believe did the yeah james james l venable who also did the score for powerpuff girls and samurai jack mm. which is just a neat little bit of trivia but um there's a very definitely a horror vibe in those uh in those segments and it's this kind of thing again where it's like it takes what you just said and and ups it even more because you get like 
a seemingly definitive death where Obi-Wan just like blows him apart with the force after being absorbed, which is just so like uh, gross and very kind of like men in black. But uh, you have the shot of him picking up Dirge's helmet and then you see the little trails of slime just like moving away and you're like, oh, come on. <laughs> How is yeah, it's guy like, damn it. Stuck? And yeah, it's, it's a big, yeah, it's a big part of his like appeal as a character. Like, and that's why I'm so glad they've recanonized him because I I think he deserves a place in live action Star Wars. Like, I definitely I see we why have the character they of Enoch now uh, in yeah. Ahsoka, but I really love him to like. Yeah, no, I I definitely yeah, like um... I, I see why they brought him back because he he's a really intimidating figure. Mm hmm. Like I I definitely see why they couldn't or they felt like they had limitations with bringing him into. The yeah. Clone Wars series, and they they created Cad Bane as a result, because um, that would have been really weird and difficult to pull off with that animation. But he's so Indeed. cool, and yeah, he's like a, the brief moments we get him are so great, and uh, definitely show stealing uh, little scenes here from from Dirge, and really yeah. makes him an, an intimidating force. Uh, but let's. Now, before we get into Grievous, let's talk about the Ventress-Anakin duel on Yavin 4. Maybe the best-looking animated fight we've ever had in Star Wars. It's I'd be hard-pressed to disagree. Yeah, everything from the little stuff like the rain sizzling off the lightsabers to just the, oh, the, love it. the, the sun at the end and just, and just getting bathed in that red light. Yeah. Everything about this is, is great. And just getting to see... Yavin 4 in this time period is like one of those cool little moments of oh shit, well, we've been here before. Uh, and yeah. then just the whole fight is so great. Like from them up on the trees and, and adventures kind of like outmaneuvering them through the force, and then them yeah. eventually fighting in the temple and uh to the, the top of it when Anakin disarms her. It's so it, it, and then his his robe just or his his Jedi robe is just getting more uh ripped yeah. and, and, and tattered like as the fight goes on it, it it's so great it yeah I, it's a it's a cool look hayden yeah. would have rocked that look i think if they, oh. if they did this as a mm -hmm. mini series yeah for he sure. would have rocked another look too um which we will uh, we will get to she also um, destroys his ship as well which i think yep. i mainly have to note because of the fact that he also loses the pro yeah. the astrometroid that he had R he kills poor r4 also and an R four unit, like, yeah. do, and that's the kind of thing I wonder. Like, do the Jedi just all have R four units as like their <laughs> standard issue astromech droid? You know, because it's like I, I almost wonder if that's like a thing that convinced L three to like campaign for droid rights. She just sees all these poor R four units, all the poor R four units. Like, come on, man, they keep getting blown up. Like they've got like a little survivor circle where they just talk about like the trauma they've experienced in war, and then like they have R five just like standing there as well, saying, "You don't know the half of it." <laughs> Poor little guy. I'm scared to even go outside now. God. This guy took me to this poison planet where all these little mouse droids kept ramming me. It was insane. <sighs> Poor R5. He's a he's been through a lot, but he's a war hero. So it's a little okay. droid that could. The little droid that could indeed. Uh but I guess Ventress couldn't because she we Anakin does, I gotta say, not very Jedi of him. And I, I, there's a couple moments in the series where I can see why they chose to yeah. jump over it because certain things just aren't like 
the way that they they moved the Jedi Order to, especially during the Clone Wars, of uh, you know, the, we even see it with Obi Wan later in the show. Like, oh, there are there are other ways, or you know, there are other options rather than I don't remember what the line is. It's that uh, all that all alternatives or alternatives to fighting. There we go. Which I believe is just straight up said in other uh, yeah, like Star it's, Wars it's, things. It's what he says to Han Solo mm. when they get uh, sucked into the Death Star. So oh, yeah. Kind of there his... you go. I, I he knew says it. it in I the show it as well. He, he, says, he says there are other ways to fight. Like, mm -hmm. uh, and he demonstrates that really well. But, but like, we, yeah, we do get a, a parallel here of like him kind of going full Luke on Vader and Return of the Jedi, just completely going at her. But then, whereas Luke restrains himself uh, and doesn't take that temptation, Anakin doesn't knocks her down, and then he lets out this brutal freaking scream. Uh, and we get a very Pulses similar the moment near the end of the scene. Yep. So he does. Is... He does sort of parallel Luke, but it's different yeah. because he's, he's he throwing like, but away he's got the, the just the visual of him screaming with the red lightsaber on top of the Yavin Temple. Is... Yeah, with the red sun like behind, yep. like you said. Like it, there's a lot of cool like dark side imagery, and I love how like when he grabs uh, Ventress's arm and like squeezes with his robot hand, like you see the lightsaber flash an even deeper and brighter red. And it's a great way of symbolizing an oh shit moment, like the fact that he's tapping into the dark side mm -hmm. here, uh, and he's having to rely on that to beat Ventress because they do a, a really interesting thing with this fight where Ventress is is more skillful as a as a combatant. She's faster, she's more precise in her movements, but Anakin is stronger because he relies on brute force. So it's more just it's literally just agility versus strength, and eventually Anakin is only able to win through embracing that kind of dark side, the quick and easy route. Oh, to, to if this show came out today, oh god, uh, Ventress is she's more powerful than Anakin Skywalker. How is she oh, being the chosen one? This isn't fair. She just became an apprentice five minutes ago. <laughs> what the hell is this? God. She couldn't even beat Count Doku, and Anakin beat him in five minutes in Revenge of the Sith. This yeah. is bullcrap. <laughs> yeah, we would. <laughs> You act like we're joking, but tell me I'm wrong, guys. It would 100% be a topic of discussion these days. But again, you want, you want to talk about great moments. You want to talk about great fights. This is one of the things that defined this series. And, of course, I, I'd be like, yeah, we're bringing this character back. Like, we're not just going to have her be a one and done in this show like my my good Ithorian Jedi friend on Coruscant. Like, we need dude. to That poor dude. I gotta find out his name because he's a future. He's a future now. But uh, we need again any reason to to bring Ventures back. I would have one hundred percent taken it, and no wonder they brought her back in the Filoni show because she's just so cool and just that she's design. So cool. and you could tell that this was a character George wanted to implement for so long because they had very similar designs pitched for both early versions of Maul and Dooku. Uh, for, in the old prequel concept art, uh, they're like George just really wanted to bring in like this creepy female Sith, and they finally got the chance to do it in uh, the the, the uh, uh, Clone Wars. I believe Aura Singh is actually based off of Maul concept art as well. Yeah, so they so. they she, just they she just love Dark Jedi. I think mm -hmm. in the in Legends initially, and then they kind of like at, once Ventress got kind of introduced, especially during the early seasons of Clone Wars, they just they retrofitted her to be more of a bounty hunter because they felt it was kind of redundant i guess with now that you have ventress there with this more with this deeper night sister backstory for sure mm -hmm. uh, if we're talking like uh 
bit player Jedi, since we are transitioning through season one, we've got to mention uh, a dude who's currently enjoying a spot in uh, SW the SWE server's Character of the Week channel, and that is Vuvilf Mon, uh, who's another favorite character of Jake's, uh, I should add. This, like, awesome wolfman Jedi who just, like, casually shows up at the end of the series, just like... Oh, yes, that guy! Yeah, he's an awesome dude. Like, I just love his design. He's he's just such a he's got such a striking look. Like Clone Wars, as you said, has these really striking cameo Jedi who just have these very brief appearances, but they are so freaking memorable, memorable just because of how they look and how they carry themselves. Uh, you know, just to like uh, let all the listeners in on kind of like a, a thing about the conversations we've been having in that server. Most of the chat turned to like. Uh, who we would fan cast, and I joked about Hugh Jackman playing the role because obviously Wolverine. <laughs> but like something about the grin he does when they all win, I was like, you know what? Actually, yeah, that is that's a Hugh Jackman grin. I think Hugh Jackman could do that. Bring him uh, back. I think. Why hasn't yeah, he like, showed up in anything? Have him come back and have him sing with the Force to just to short out droid circuits. That would be pretty awesome, I would say. And then, and then he, have him star and do get, some Wolverine stuff. Does he get killed by Grievous? I'm trying to remember. He, he does not. He's on Munalist with um, with Obi Wan and Anakin uh, fighting in that, and then he shows up briefly in season two uh, to get saved by Anakin from this like bubble machine uh, during the like uh, war montage uh, in the first two episodes. Oh yeah. Two. But yeah, he's he's safe. He could potentially come back. Like as for, and, yeah, he's I think only ever been in this show. He's not, hasn't yeah. been in anything else in either canon or legends. So uh, bring my boy back. I, I was like, who's this? Because I was even like Wolf Jedi guy. He's so cool. Um, Vuvilf Mon representation. Come on. Come on, guys. Uh, but l let's let, let's finally talk about the introduction of Grievous because we get the um, distress signal. I believe Halpori is the planet name. But we Hypori, see yeah. Hypori, yeah. But we're like, oh, maybe things will be okay because we see a bunch of familiar Jedi here. We, uh, we got Kiati Mundy's there, Shock T, Ayla Sakura. So, like, oh, they're going to be safe. But then, like we said, we got like Shaggy is there. We've got a couple <laughs> other guys Boinks! just chilling. Uh, and then just the reveal of Grievous, because they hype him up as like, oh, there's this new droid general. And we're like, oh, okay, I know who this guy is. But I can't it's even imagine what the reaction steps. was. The footsteps. Yeah. It's like, and them not knowing, like, oh, where's that sound coming from? And, and the build up to it. They do it again on Coruscant. Uh, in season two, when he's about to kidnap Palpatine, and Palpatine is just incredibly sassy during that scene. By the way, he's he's doing his he's preparing his his tight five for his stand up routine uh, after the war. I am Supreme Chancellor Palpatine of the Republic. Fun fact, because I I I didn't mention it when we were talking about the voice actors. So Palpatine is a different voice actor for this show, but that voice actor returned in a different role for uh the Filoni Clone Wars and that is Darts Dinar from the the oh. Slavers storyline. Yeah. The the single most detestable race I think in Star Wars. That's the only time I've ever hated a cat pe a cat people race is the, mm -hmm. because they they're such nasty slaver scum. <laughs> yeah. And then uh Kiati Mundi is voiced by Cosmo from the Fairly Odd Parents, which is oh, just Oh god he is. It's of insane. Also, I gotta say, I think this is my favorite depiction of Kiati Mundi ever. Is yeah. him in this scene just completely like you see him like lose it afterwards, which is crazy. Uh, and it would just immediately seeing him just 
he almost kills Shakti and he almost kills Ailsikura and then poor Shaggy dies and I think his Kyadi's Padawan also dies during this scene as well. Yeah, like very brutally um, as well. Like he li Grievous literally yeah. grabs his head and like crushes his skull with his own foot. And like Oh yeah, literally... I, that's the guy that I was I was gonna say Grievous just straight up stomps someone out with his foot to death. And I think like it's him. especially violent for like for what is still a kid show. Like it, the the stuff that they were willing to do. Like as a kid, I remember finding that very shocking. Like just the level of like violence against these Jedi and the way Grievous yep. cuts through them all so quickly. Yeah, I, like I said, it's he's a horror monster in this scene and really throughout the entirety of the series. And yeah. You, you've got that Again, shot where, like, he's fighting both Kyadi Mundi and Shakti, and then he just spins the sabers like helicopter yeah. blades, and then like you've got the way the music, the music keeps screeching more and more after he kicks Kyadi away, and it's just Shakti, and he's just like looming over her like this, just like you said, this horror monster, just yeah. like unyielding. Because I'm pretty, there's a couple things like his design's pretty much like a lot of what you see in Revenge of the Sith, but I'm pretty sure he's taller in this one. He is, he is, and he has a and, white cape, and he has the slightly reinforced uh, chest section, because obviously, mm -hmm. as we see, uh, they, they gave their own little mm -hmm. explanation for why he's yeah. got the cough, yeah. Doesn't have the hunchback here either, so he's definitely, like, more, like, threatening monster. Yeah, he just the lays scene, more. The scene, because we get the reveal later of him, like, with the forearms, which is awesome, but... In this oh scene my god, that is so good! It's it, so it, terrifying! Yeah, the scene where he literally is fighting, like, he's holding a lightsaber in his foot, and he's got three blades, and he's fighting them all off. It's, oh my god, like... It's such a perfect way to end this, the first season One of well, the like, best character jumping. introductions of all time is... He's just, like, jumping at Kyadi, and, mm. and it literally, it free, it, like, going into super slow-mo, and then cutting yeah. to Yoda's, opening his eyes, it's just like, you're just like, oh! Oh no! Yeah. And then you realize you've got to wait a whole year for the next season to find out what's going to happen. Yeah. It's it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. and and, and then... they also show how intimidating he is because you've got the sequence with the arc troopers that we later on see where yeah. he even cuts through those, and we've seen the arc troopers be unstoppable. So it, every scene with him reinforces his strength, and it's and what I like is that it's all to kind of. It, it does ultimately sort of transition well to Revenge of the Sith because, if anything, it shows Obi Wan's strength as a character that mm -hmm. he is able to, where so many other characters have failed, he's able to cut through Grievous. Like he goes through Grievous's offensive easily. You know, granted, Grievous is meant to be weakened, but still, Obi Wan shows his strength as a character and shows why he's pretty much the only Jedi that could have stood up to Anakin later on. So, yeah, there, there is mm -hmm. some nice continuity between this and Revenge of the Sith still. Yeah, and the fact that they make him out as a total. Jedi killer and they really I think because the they really set up um the shock T deleted scene I think on the invisible hand in this show and I think they probably wrote this thinking that it was still going to be in the movie and that it wasn't so well, it's interesting because Mace finds her like in in that room still, which is interesting mm -hmm. that he didn't kill her. I suppose he left her behind as like an example of like so she could tell um, Mace Windu what happened. But I think you're right. You're absolutely right. They were definitely setting up that scene, and then I think George just kind of thought, well, you know, I, I don't kind of like that scene. I feel like we need to kind of we need to save Grievous's fight uh, with the Jedi for later on and have mm -hmm. him meet the characters on the bridge. It's which I overall prefer. I think that's a much better way of introducing yeah. him. Like, just because of the way him and Anakin like sass each other. Yeah. I the only thing I wish they kept is I wish they kept the 
the underwater scene on the Invisible Man. Yeah, that would have been cool. That would have been cool, but just do some bridging shots. Exactly. Um, But I I honestly think like the MVP of season two isn't Anakin. It's Shock T just because of her on Coruscant standing up to all the Magna Guards and then going after Grievous multiple times, like literally doing anything she can to protect the Chancellor. Yeah, a little bit of the cape as well, like using the force mm -hmm. to like. Oh, that was so cool. It's so cool. And she, like, he, Your she gets sacrifice will be remembered in the archives of the Jedi Order for generations. I'm like, shut I up, don't dude. Think so. I don't yeah. think so. It's so good. Yeah. I love the way she just kind of lets out that exhale of like, <sighs> I don't have to worry about him for a bit. Yeah. Oh, God, the one scene, one of the coolest grievous scenes during that whole chase montage is them just going down the elevator and yes. then just him crawling yes. into the shot and then them prepping the <laughs> rocket just, launcher. Oh, him just running down the side of the wall, like and then he just like use his head just like turns and looks at them, mm-hmm. and you're like, that is terrifying. Yeah, they made <laughs> him so, a and world no music beaters. at all. Yeah, oh, and then it happens so again when they get into the bunker and the lights yeah. are going off, and then Grievous pops out of the shot and like it makes Takes no out. sense that he got there, but it's still terrifying. It's literally he literally did a Jason Voorhees. He just yep. teleported there. <laughs> and again, just sweet animation, like the Hythorian Jedi, his screams and the way they animated that of Grievous like walking through it while they're in the bunker. So cool. Justice for my guy, man. Like, why'd they have to why they have to I kill was him? I'm so like that. gutted. Like the minute that his arms detached, I was like, "Oh, then no, they're gonna die." I like, th- I liked the Athorian so much, but that scene is just—it's just so good. And again, the music, like, there's the way the music just escalates it, and you just get the horror of him just like detaching the arms and taking mm-hmm. the lightsabers out. That's such a good, like, uh, such a good sequence of again teeing up how terrifying this this character is and how much of a threat he is to the Jedi in that moment and how he wears them down. Yep. So we get two real overarching plots throughout volume two, one of which is the Battle of Coruscant, which again, I'm not even upset that we didn't get a full version of it in the Clone Wars show because we got it here and it's awesome. And I don't think we really needed to include it because I like how they structured the Siege of Mandalore anyways. So we didn't really need to see that. Um, However, we do get... Anakin and Obi-Wan's plot of them uh, going to the planet Nelvan. They think they're uh, staking out Grievous and eventually leads to the spiritual journey for Anakin where it becomes his sort of version of the trials he never had to have. Uh, I do like that we get a a, a classic Anakin-Obi-Wan adventure here that we would see a lot in the Clone Wars series, which is why I'm like, this is like more of a pilot here. And we did get one of the hardest Anakin looks of all time with him with the tribal paint on his chest which is the thing i alluded to there one of my favorite figures i own is this bad boy right oh, here i got cool. this recently first of all the photoshop not great on this on this cover just and that's clearly not hayden christensen's body um but this figure it goes so hard. i love that it's like like hayden christensen but with this look like that's clearly yeah. like revenge of the sith anakin but it, it's such a cool figure. And I remember seeing that in like 2007, 2008 in like a Toys R Us. I was like, I I don't know what the Anakin look is, but that's awesome and I need it. And I never got it. And then years later, I was like, 
I got to see if I can find this figure. I found it. I got it. It wasn't that expensive. And boom. And then, like I mentioned, there's this lot. Like, I need that Yoda right there, by the way. Oh, that is and so then, cool. This whole line is insane. We've got Macquarie Vader. We've got C-3PO and Salacious Crumb. We've got we've got the Ithorian Jedi. Roaring yeah, no Corb. He's in this line. That's we got Macquarie name. Starkiller, Pre-Cyborg Grievous, Darth Malak, Darth Revan, Anakin, Yoda, and Kaibuck. And some weak way I've never heard of. So <laughs> That's a banging insane. line. That's sure. a banging line. Uh, and then this was this was because uh, this was the thirty this was the thirtieth anniversary line, so they oh, had the collectible coins as well. Uh, oh, in yeah, I've got, I've got some of those. They're very cool. Yeah. Yep. So Let's I go. have a couple of these lying around, but I'm not gonna. As much as I want to open that one, I don't think I'm going to just because it's such a cool looking figure, and a lot. See, I, I've kind of thrown some shade at these points. It's not that I dislike this portion of Clone Wars. It's just the pacing is so weird because in all of the other things that we've seen, all the other stories throughout this show, they've been snippy. They've been either they've been like individual episodes or they've gone on for a couple ones and they're only like 10 minutes in length. This goes on for like 40 minutes and some of the stuff works well for me. Like uh, the the cool moment where they it kind of the animation kind of turns into like the cave drawings, and we yeah. get the real trippy stuff that works. It's when it goes to the full techno union stuff, and we see the like weird monster creatures that they've made from the Nelvin Warriors. Yeah, it's it it just screamed to me like like Ark of the Clone Wars that I would have like skipped if i'm doing a rewatch because like the spirit works the rest of it is just it's just there and it's like oh we have the cool moment where he sees himself as vader but then we have another moment where it's just completely out of character and he just just kills the techno union guy in cold blood um but there is that real badass moment of him of his his arm just exploding and yeah getting to see him like use the force with like his stub mechanical arm. So there's, there's some really cool moments in here, but I always am like, I always forget when this portion happens in my rewatch. And then I'm like, Oh yeah, it's at the very end. And I like the course on stuff so much more. And then this just, they keep like dragging it. And I'm like, Oh, this isn't the last scene Anakin's in. And it's like, Oh no, it is. Yeah, it is. So, I don't know what my issue is with this arc. Like it's cool and all. I just wish there was more. Cause like I said, it's like 40 minutes long and I just wish there was more substance to it. Cause I just feel like it's just padding for a while of, okay, we got to go yeah. in here and then we got to go in here and then we got to find this and we got to get this. And then we got to just stretch this out as long as we can. Uh, and it's very star Warsy. It definitely, like, it doesn't feel out of place or anything, and I like that we got to see, like, a representation of what his trials would have been, and they really describe it like the Force led them here for his trials, and him with the paint is just so cool, but it is for sure. it does go on a bit too long, I will say, especially for a show like this that has that wicked fast pacing, and I think that yeah. might be 
a bit of a weakness from season two compared to season one is when they tried to make it a bit more narrative. I think the show kind of lost a bit of its like momentum, yeah, momentum or like spark that season one had where it's just boom, 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 adrenaline rush. And we get this indeed amazing visual storytelling where season two, it's like, we're, we really get to see them working out the kinks of what a full-fledged animated Star Wars narrative show would be. Yeah. And we eventually got that. And again, the original Clone Wars, or not the original, but the the Filoni Clone Wars, it had its growing pains as well. Of, I mean, we re, re, uh, rewatched a lot of season one and a lot of the arcs that we didn't remember as fondly. We liked a bit more the second time around, or at least revisiting yeah. it. Uh, with new eyes. Uh, but I, I, again, you could see them kind of like working out the kinks here. And I think that if they kept the way that they structured season one for season two, I think it would have worked a lot better. But as a overall, I do, think, I do agree with that final product, it works still really well. And it's still yeah. like, it only takes about two hours, 20 minutes to watch the whole series. If that it's, it's still a real snappy watch. And if you want something to just turn on and just see stuff where you're like, okay, that influenced stuff that we know now. And then some of the stuff is just really unique and we've never seen it before or since. Uh, And it's just, it's something that I think all star Wars fans, especially star Wars animation fans should watch. If you haven't, Watch Clone Wars. I don't care that it's not quote unquote canon anymore. It's still just really cool to watch. And especially if you watched like Samurai Jack, watch this show. Like which I am I am in the midst of doing. I am I am two seasons deep into Samurai Jack and loving it. It's a it's a it's a great show. Uh, but yeah, I will. For, as for my thoughts on that arc, I have to. I I do agree that the pacing of it drags it down. One thing I, I've thought about a lot more in my recent rewatch is I do love the symbolism of because yeah. they obviously refer this is basically the final trial and they refer trial and they refer to it as the mirror. And I what I like about the the Nelvan warriors and how they aren't just they don't they haven't just been cybernetically augmented, they are deformed and almost kind of like bulging and monstrous compared to the 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 smaller, um almost feline like uh deer like uh, mm-hmm. Melvan aliens that we see earlier and it kind of represents almost like how Anakin sees himself you know like deformed from the from the endless war and the conflict and the violence that's been wrought on his own body like just the the deformities he's had to suffer like the the scar and the and the loss of his hand you know and and they kind of and this is kind of very, this is very George Lucas because they they like you said there's that amazing bit with the paintings where it, the animation transitions into the moving paintings and we see this kind of like story this kind of fable about this uh this this farmer who is who fights this like dark mechanized force and then it claims a piece of him and then they reconstruct his hand using a piece of it and then mm-hmm. it eventually overwhelms him and everything he loves and then like you said it just beautifully all transitions into an image a flash of Darth Vader which is just so well done but again it also kind of it's very George Lucas of like you know his biggest fear one of his biggest fears was an overly mechanized society and that's what the empire comes to be and that's what a lot of the issues with the empire are, are sort of explored as in like shows like andor and rebels this overly mechanized 
complacent society without this independent, you know, free thinking uh, individuals like the Jedi in a lot of ways. And that's what kind of brings, which well, obviously they become complacent and overly mechanized in the way they follow their own rules. And that is kind of their downfall. But I, I like how this whole, that whole fable summarizes kind of one of George Lucas's biggest kind of like concerns about the dangers of mechanization, the dangers of automation and, and how, Anakin's like like the the me mechanized idea uh, the hand almost represents the darkness the dark side it's an interesting way of like kind of showing Anakin's gradual corruption and how he kind of it, it draws on the power of the dark side more and more throughout the clone wars like we see it begin here and then it keeps going in uh in the clone wars show like we've seen it we'll see it multiple times during the geonosis arc during other arcs uh you know, especially when he thinks he catches his wife with another man, uh, which oh, will be a very, uh -oh. very amusing sequence uh -oh. to discuss for sure. <laughs> mm -hmm. But yeah, I just, I, I love the symbolism of that, but I will agree with you that the pacing does sort of drag there and it isn't nearly as memorable to me as some of the other segments in season one outside of that amazing cave painting sequence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I 100% I, I agree with everything we're saying here. And... I, I see why they chose to bookend Anakin's arc with that, especially in relation to what's going on in Coruscant. Cause we see him like get that spiritual journey where he, I think fully becomes a Jedi Knight, like not just in name, but in, in like mentally and spiritually. And then, Oh, we got to get uh, sent away over to Coruscant. And then we get yeah. that ending shot of them recreating the opening uh, scene of Revenge of the Sith. Which is just great and does a great job at transitioning, like we mentioned, from the end of Attack of the Clones to the beginning of Revenge of the Sith in the way the show bookends uh, from the first and the last uh, scenes. It works well, and I still think if you're going to watch this, say in a, a rewatch in between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, it works great because you do have that moment at the end with Mace breaking Grievous's chest plate. So the, the cough starts, so you got that there, and you're like, Oh, so that's why he's a completely different character in this movie. Um, yeah, Mace, Mace, Mace effed him up, basically, yeah. Mm -hmm. Which which is, I, I love, like, it's such a quick duel of, like, Grievous just drawing all the lightsabers and Mace just doing that. But it, And again, it does kind of subtly reinforce that however powerful the Jedi like Shakti and Kali Mundi and uh, Vuvulthmon and that poor Ithorian Jedi are, Mace Windu and Yoda and Obi-Wan are on something of a different level in a yep. sense, because the minute Grievous comes up against Mace, Mace flattens him with one move from the force and likely would have just finished him there and then if the shuttle hadn't taken off. So yep. it's, it's just a really, it's a really uh, neat little moment for sure. The one other thing I've got from my notes that I didn't quite uh, communicate when we were talking about the Kit Fisto scene, and I knew that was bugging me, is just like a little joke about the Quarren National Party. <laughs> like, like, was it just me? Was it just me, or like, did when you heard heard that, did you think well, this seems a little bit alt right? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, the core national party, the separatists, like, ooh, They're bringing ooh. you the alternative news to Moncala, the news yep. they don't want you to hear. <laughs> exactly. The Moncala are holding us back. It just is woof. Um, my, I guess my one last thing I'll say is. In terms of how both Clone Wars series handled characters, I think 
they both handled a lot of characters in equally great ways. Yes. Um, you can have your interpretation of uh, what version of Anakin you liked more, which one fits more with his depiction in the films. Um, I think both really enhance, excuse me, enhance his character. Grievous is the one that I will say I, I prefer more in the Tartakovsky version. And then there's other ones yeah. like Kiati Mundi and Shakti that I like in both a lot, but I think they have their shining moments in this series. The one I will say he's great in this show when he shows up, but he's only in maybe three shorts is Dooku. And I love that the Clone Wars, the Filoni version had way more Dooku in it than uh, this one did because they really yeah. made him because uh, for a long time in my life, I have gone back and forth. Now I'm no longer in that ballpark. But for the first decade and a half, I'd say, of my Star Wars fandom, I went back and forth on, like, was Dooku really needed? Could they have just kept Maul as the villain until the beginning of Revenge of the Sith? Or just use um, Ventress, or basically. Just use yeah. Ventr yeah. Um, because like I loved Christopher Lee and I, I liked the character a lot, but it's like you've got Maul and then you've got Vader, and then it's like, oh well, then there, there's there's the stopgap. Um yeah. and he's just he's there and he he sets things up in the background in the show, but he's not a full presence. Clone Wars really made me love the Dooku character like yeah. full on because he's as close to the main villain as you can get in that show. Um, and of course, Sidious is still the big bad, but we see him a lot, and we see him not only just pulling the strings, but going face to face with our Jedi that we follow all the time. And I, I do love that a lot. I also just love, I do think that including or a thing that the Filoni show got right, um, was adding those new characters that made yeah. it because we got new ones here, but like we said, they're more just like bit like besides from Ventress, they're like bit players in the background or, or characters like Brevis that were introduced because they were going to be in revenge of the Sith, but like Ahsoka Rex, like those characters like that, or even like Lux Bonteri or uh, some of the separatist villains or yeah. Rush Clovis. Like you can just keep going on and on about, the original characters that's gonna be that so they balanced to talk about. with the legacy characters in the Filoni ver uh, the Filoni show. Uh, that I, I I think that that was the one thing that uh, got them over the hump and really made yeah. Clone Wars 2008 work as a full-fledged series uh, by introducing uh, new protagonists uh, and also uh, those legacy characters that we know and love and they kind of follow that same format with every other animated show we've had since then, where we have our returning yeah. characters, but we also have these new protagonists that you can fall in love with. Uh, and again, I think in terms of a, this is probably the longest uh, pilot for a series we've ever had, like a two season, two hour long pilot for a show that we'd get five years or three years uh, after the fact. Um, but it works and yeah. you can definitely see how, like we mentioned earlier, you can definitely see the early seasons, them trying to adhere to the, we're going to make these both work simultaneously. And then exactly. eventually steering into, we're probably going to start slowly phasing that out. And then eventually to, okay, this is, this is the Canon one. 
this is the one that you're going to take priority in. Uh, but again, there's still so many scenes, like we mentioned, that can still work, uh, and some that have been put back into the canon. Uh, yeah. And again, and I think Mike Chen worded it perfectly of the Anakin fight in his mind, st- the Ventress fight still works as if like the Clone Wars series, the Tartakovsky one is depicted as like Republic propaganda videos that they would air on like the hollow net. Uh, yeah. On Coruscant. I think that works perfectly. Like for the it's show. in my it head. Kind of, yeah. It in my explains head kind of the, the overly several... theatrical. Yeah. Shots yeah. And, and, and actions of the Jedi Stuff like it just yeah. <laughs> what we it's in your head that Cyril watched that. That Cyril can't no. That Cyril can't have. Well, yeah, maybe he watched Holovids that dramatized that, but also that he has like posters on his wall, like the actual clip. Like like if it was me, it, like directing an episode of Andor, I would have like put a poster that is literally a poster of like the first season or second season of of Star Wars Clone Wars, and it's in the animation style, but you've just got like Orabesh over it to just kind of ram that point home that he's a clone wars fanboy but yeah it's i love that kind of interpretation of it and i absolutely agree with you that um this show is is honestly still one of the most vital pieces of star wars media ever because it the legacy it's left behind you know and this i feel this is very fitting since you know this is 20 years we still we're still finding so many cool things to talk about it and it has led it's 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 a legacy of influence like all the things it inspired and all the things that it is continuing to just kind of like well yeah all the things that is continuing to inspire is amazing i'm gonna quote a line paraphrase a line from the last jedi in that this show is the spark that lit the fire that kept star wars alive because after after revenge of the sith it was it seemed like star wars was done like we weren't gonna get any more star wars and then the clone wars came out and the clone wars as a show helped keep star wars interest alive until the seat until the disney buyout and then the mm. arrival of the sequels and we exactly. wouldn't have the clone wars if it wasn't Without for this, this show yep. so it's, it oh we owe this show a lot yeah, and this show uh, introduced Go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to. Oh, no, yeah, because like, because yeah, without this, we don't get any Ahsoka. We don't get any of the Night Sisters reintroduction. We don't get any any of the any of the stuff with the clones. No Bad Batch. No Obi Wan. No uh, no sequels. None of it. Uh, yeah. All of this cool stuff that we've been talking about for the last like uh, two years of the pod, uh, or rather, sorry, the last year of well, yeah, two years. It's going to be almost. two years in March. Yeah, it's, it's going to be two years in March. But like, yeah, the the amount of time, all the stuff we've been discussing would none of it would be possible without this show and no, i will no. forever salute uh genity tartarovsky and his team for putting together such an, a such fantastic uh adrenaline shot of a series exactly. it's amazing like i said in terms of visual storytelling there's nothing else out there in, in yeah. star wars like this uh it's not my personal favorite series but in terms of a visual story you can't touch this it's just so Cool, like you said, the shot of adrenaline. It worked perfectly in its format. It introduced us to two villains that were uh, have are still huge factors into uh, other Star Wars properties to this day. It was our first taste at a show in this aspect that would lead to uh, Lucasfilm Animation and all the animated shows we have today. Uh, and it was our first time seeing the clone wars told in any storytelling format and now i mean 20 years later we get 
Clone Wars, new Clone Wars stories still. We're still getting them. And it's crazy uh, that uh, a, a show like this uh, led to what we have now. It, you're right. Like, without this show, it wouldn't have led to the creation of the Clone Wars. It wouldn't have led to um, our first bit of expanded media for the prequels to really add to the appreciation of those films and lead to the eventual resurgence and uh, revival and how we look at those movies differently compared to uh, the response in the 2000s. Yeah, because uh, like, yeah, going back to that time, like even when, um, even when the prequels were getting really harsh reviews, and a lot of the, a lot of the more uh, extreme voices in in the Star Wars fandom at the time were were turning on the prequels and lambasting them, there was nothing but praise for for. Oh Clone yeah, Wars. no, was, this was even back then got universal praise when it first and came that out. speaks to me of how of just how to the point it was as a show and and the level of influence. I have to ask you, uh, just as like out of a curiosity, because we've seen a bunch of these characters now recanonized. If you could recanonize one character who hasn't yet been appeared in a Disney era Star Wars story from this show, who would you pick and why? Oh, oh, you know my answer. It's the Ithorian yeah. Jedi. Yeah, I knew it. I was. I want to yes. see the four throat scream in something. Yeah, because uh, it, and it's canon, so you could yeah, say that he survived. It's canon. And I think that that would be such a cool character to include. Um, say, like how we talked about um, last episode, if the, say, the comics go into more prequel stories after the uh, Return of the Jedi era stories are done. Yeah. If you were to, like, make him a character, bring him back in the comics, I think yeah. that would be really cool. If you were so to. Awesome. It, like introduce her, or if you were to do another animated show uh in the prequel timeline throw him in there i just really i guess just any ithorian jedi i want to see um if if not sure. that then uh some of the arc troopers which i think might be a bit diff difficult to do because we do have our own group of arc troopers um in canon now with fives and echo and jesse and all of them but i would love to see those guys again alpha and, and and your guy i would just i would love to see them back on the screen i mean alpha was going to be rex in yes. the phone wars but the george was like reason, he was like there's too many a's in this cast uh, literally the alliteration yeah. is the only reason yeah. and, i mean i prefer rex overall because i think what's nice is that they also revise the character because alpha from what i've experienced of him in the comics is kind of an asshole like this, <laughs> he hates padawans and stuff and he clearly would have uh, had a tense relationship with Ahsoka, like a, a begrudging relationship. So it was kind of nice to have Rex be this more kind of like warm-hearted mentor to Ahsoka. And this like, yeah, he's just, a, for me, he is the he is the superior clone. As for like my answer of who I'd recanonize, it's just, again, it's no question. It's this dude. Yeah. It's Fordo. He's so cool. And he, again, I feel like if we didn't have him and his art, his art trooper buddies, if not for them, we wouldn't have gotten some of the awesome stories we've got with Rex and and all the other clones. Like you said, like just Fives, Echo, Tech, uh, the Bad Batch, you know, Omega, all of them kind of owe some some I think of their of their stories to this guy. So yeah. I feel like 
you know, Fordo deserves his time in the canon sun. Just, just yeah. even if it's just a cameo or like a brief appearance in a comic, that'd be nice. That'd be nice. That would be nice. Fordo and the Bad Batch would be sick, especially because we've seen oh, like, yes. score and characters like that Dude. show up again. If he joins Rex's, if if they if they put him in season three, I'll, I'm imploring you, Jennifer Corbett, Brad Rao, if you are listening by an astronomical chance to this episode, uh, and I'm and I'm manifesting that you do to give this episode a chance, please uh, give my guy a little cameo in uh in the in the Bad Batch season three. Put put a hashtag put Fordo in Bad Batch season three because we want to. I want to see this dude chilling with Rex and and Echo that and, would be and the, the clone resistance. That would be awesome. If there's any, I, I almost feel like we should put it to the uh, listeners uh, of like who they would want to recanonize. You know, like like you know, if you mm -hmm. if you're listening, leave a comment uh, in in the YouTube video or on on the links we post on Twitter. Like, who yeah. would you like to see recanonized from this show uh, in like the live action stuff? My joke answer, but not really a joke, but like I think they would actually do this when we get to the point where we get a from a certain point of view of Attack of the Clones. Throw the Shaggy Jedi in there. Just yes. give him a story. Just yes. give him a story. Have him be at the Battle of Geonosis. Just, yeah, and have him say zoinks know. and just canonize that as a Star Wars give curse. Him a charhound named Scoob, or like yes. whatever the Star Wars version of Scoob is. <laughs> Rugged. Yeah, God. That would be that's what we need right there. Um, but I think that's that perfect. wraps it up here. It's been nice to just look back and do a retrospective on this show that is believe it or not, 20 years old. It's, oh, it's I feel so I kind feel so of weird about that. Oh. So yeah, <laughs> the, the, there's so much of what you see in Star Wars today has this show to thank for it. And I, I think we've done a good job at highlighting that. And, and hopefully if you haven't taken the time to watch this show back or just haven't seen it at all, uh, they're all on Disney Plus. Just go to the vintage uh, section of Star Wars. You can find Fun stuff on there that we may or may not ever discuss on this show, like the Ewok movies and uh, the droids <laughs> cartoon. Uh, I, I still not like watch we, any of them. I feel like we have to do the droids cartoon at some point. At like, some point, we might have to. At some point, maybe I've when we never, like, I've we never to... even seen a clip of, <laughs> of the droid and the Ewok cartoon. I know the theme is song is apparently quite good if you go by honest trailers logic. Uh, uh, but yeah, I if the I feel like to be honest. We've said it's so cool so many times with this oh, no. with Clone Wars that I feel like we could just subtitle this episode with <laughs> it's, it's so cool. cool. It's so cool. Really, <laughs> there's no other way of describing it than it's, it's just, just cool. so cool. <laughs> like you look at that and I'm like, nah, that's sick. Like that's literally it. And uh yeah, even like and I think the show is best when it's just the coolest animation you've ever seen and just the very minimal, if at all, dialogue, I think is is the best version of this show. But even when it tries to do well, not tries is kind of rude. But like when it, it does more <laughs> narrative stuff, it's still a really solid show, and it led to a lot of stuff that we have seen. And it, like I said, was the the world's longest TV pilot for the eventual Clone Wars series that is now beloved to this day. And that show has this show to thank for it. So thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, as for uh, where we can find you, Don, uh, how about you start us off? Okay, so you can find me on Twitter at uh, at Donovan Mead, where you know, thanks to the uh, thanks to the strikes finally lifting, yay, go Sagaftra! Uh, I can finally now tweet about Star Wars and other other content again. I did a massive thread on a certain character that I have been hyped to see appear in Ahsoka. Uh, 
So that was very cool. You can also find me on TikTok and Instagram Instagram under the same handle at Donovan McComish. Uh, you can also find me over on Blue Sky now because uh, I recently got an invite thanks to Azu Armin of the Geeky Waffle. Thanks very much. Uh, I believe I've said it. Recently, an, an inter recently interviewed Daisy Ridley, by the way. Awesome. I think that's yeah. so cool. I think that's so cool. Her and Steven Weintraub, I think, from Kaleido. That's amazing. I'm so happy for you guys. But uh, you can find me on Blue Sky at donovanmccomish.bsky.social. Uh, I've, I've only done a few posts there, like here and there, but it's a nice it's a nice place, and it's good to have a break from all of the Elon-related madness that is Twitter oh, currently. Yep. But uh, yeah, you can find me on there. You can find me on, um, I believe, Threads as well. I have the same account handle on Threads, and I also write questions for Star Wars in a Galaxy, Epic Confrontations, along with uh, Connor and Eli. Uh, so definitely go check that out. Uh, yeah. We've been do we've been going from strength to strength with our with our uh, with our face offs. Uh, it's been a lot. Of, it's a lot of fun writing the questions for sure. So yeah, definitely check it out if you like uh, interaction, like yeah. quiz offs between uh, members of the Star Wars community. Check those out. They've been pumping out a lot of matches lately. Uh, Eli's been killing it uh, and also killing me with his questions. Uh, but that's another story. <laughs> Apologies uh, for that, Andrew. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. If you want to like hang out with uh, myself, Andrew, and like a bunch of uh, our, our pals uh, who have come and been on the show, uh, join the SWE Discord server. You know, we all kind of hang out there. As I said, we we have a character of the week channel where we nominate characters. This this week's character is Vuvilf Mon. Uh, we we just hang out and chat Star Wars, and it's a really positive. Uh, inclusive space where we all just like we all just listen to each other's opinions and just you know have healthy discussions it's again it's not like the dumpster fire that is twitter so yeah if you if yeah. you enjoy healthy discussions about star wars come check us out we also do uh fan stories as well uh, i believe the site is still under maintenance but i have written one story for uh swe-editor.com which is scars of war that came out last year uh, and it stars a clone survivor of order 66 who encounters a jedi survivor of order 66 and it's about them over like learning to deal with their trauma of like the shared event they got they went through and how they deal with each other so yeah if you like star wars and and uh excessive trauma then definitely give it a read <laughs> uh when yep. the site is back up yes exactly. that was a lot of fun to write uh as for myself you can find me on uh twitter instagram tiktok at uh, Starlight Andrew. Uh, you can also find the pod on Twitter at For the Repub Pod and on Instagram and TikTok at For the Republic Pod. Uh, one of the clips we posted from our video games episode has been popping off on TikTok. I know lately. it's so good. Uh, the train spotting Easter egg in the Obi Wan Xbox boss. game. Go and, she's and a, watch she's that. Just a flubbing big lightsaber. It's it's one of the best. She's fixed credit payments to Sabalba. It's one of the best and worst things I've ever seen in my entire life. My life um, has my my life has changed. I've literally have yeah. It's <laughs> I think about it every day now. Um, you can also check us out on YouTube at For the Republic Podcast. Uh, we are earing very very close to hundred subscribers. So get us there. We're gonna, I'm going to be doing some live content fairly soon. I have a Lego build stream I want to do for the uh, Holiday Millennium Falcon set that I just got. Um, yes. And then uh, I have a fun game episode planned soon, hopefully within the next week. Uh, as for what you can expect for the show coming soon, like I said, Ahsoka episode next week. We're going to have some guests on there. I just got to finalize stuff. So check that out. Should be the full crew. And then after that, we are finally getting back to talking about the Clone Wars. Holocron heist arc. We get to see Cad Bane in his glorious 
Doros form for the first time on the show. It's going to be lovely. So I hope you guys enjoyed this trip <laughs> down memory lane. Uh, it's been fun. But until next time, may the force be with you. Always.